back to Is What It Is. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different because this week we will be joined by the lovely Tara. You all have been just as excited to hear from Tara as what we are. You guys have sent in your questions and we will be sure to answer them all. This episode focuses solely on Tara, her journey, experiences and her tips and tricks to keep positive. Enjoy! Enjoy! Okay, so Tara, thank you for joining us on today's episode. Hello. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. Hello, hello. <laughs> oh, not at all, Tara. We are so excited to have you. I guess we will just start off by getting you to introduce yourself to the listeners. I'm from Ballycastle, where the girls are from. I'm so honoured. I'm absolutely privileged that the girls think that my story is worthy of sharing and talking about um, the most recent and the, what the girls kind of knew was that I have been fighting brain cancer um, the last year. Um, so it's called glioblastoma because it's the stage four the worst form of course um that i could have got uh, it just means that i have had to have really harsh treatment i may have to again and again and again in the future it's a negative prognosis really um but i don't like to see it that way i'm you know going to i'm definitely going to be the 4% that survive past I think it's two or two or four years. You know, I, I aspire to have a family and to live my life fully. So, you know, I, I was never gonna let that beat me. And I suppose I'll just tell you how or why. are going to just start off at the beginning and just get to know a little bit about you. So we had talked to you previously in the week and you had talked to us about how you had been traveling the world. Last week Holly was talking about how excited she was to get on a plane again. So where did you travel to and what was it like? Yeah so that was my biggest passion I suppose. I My very first trip ever out of Europe was actually to India uh, oh. which is pretty crazy. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so really a big culture shock and just really made me just want to go everywhere then. Mm-hmm. I was like, right, I'm doing every continent. <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm really excited to just go everywhere. Yeah, I went to India, I went to Canada, I went to America, all like while I was at university. My little treat to myself after finishing uni was going to Southeast Asia, like with really, really best friends. It was hilarious. It was like the best time. Then me and my best friend, like we moved to Australia. We did a year there. I've lived in Canada for a year. You see the experiences I had. So yeah, like India, obviously massive culture shock, different world away. So then my dream always from I was like, in primary school I think you know you do the little collections and stuff in school I always wanted to go to Africa I didn't mind what country where what I 
was at university. I trained as a teacher, primary school teacher. And so I went and did like a teaching volunteer thing, a volunteer trip over to Tanzania. And that was just, that was probably the best trip I've ever, ever, ever been on. And like it just, I said, it changed my life. So I would, I, I definitely would say like anybody that's young has the energy to go do it, has the means to go do it, has the time to go do it. Like go do it. You see, whenever you're young, because I just was so fearless. I didn't care. I was in the craziest situations. Like I was in Colombia a couple of years ago with another really good friend. And we like should have died. Like we were on these crazy like paths. We, you know, when I was in Thailand, we, you know, should have died in this river. Just crazy. And now I wouldn't do it. I'm too scared. I'm like a scared cat. So where have you not been, Tara? I know. So I actually when I went to Colombia and Peru in 2018 that was my you know I've been to every continent <laughs> except the Arctic like it's crazy oh that my god that's so amazing yeah. to be able to say that though that you've been everywhere I'm jealous I'm so jealous I know <laughs> it's such a big part of your life as well looking back on that that was probably took up majorities of your 20s so it took up the yes my whole 20s but it also took up every every penny that Mm -hmm. I earned I was working like three jobs like most of the time and then that was going on my travels I was saving for the next flight the next flight and you know I I don't know if I even did it right because I was like wanted to see everything I went to Peru and I wanted to see Machu Picchu, Lake Titicaca, uh, Rainbow Mountain uh, like everything and we didn't have much time because I was working then so you only had like a couple of weeks to get to go away I think I went for three three and a half weeks or something um and that was for Peru and Colombia and like you know squeezing everything in like crazy 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 um yeah. but I'm sure you can't like, change a thing like spending all your money on all your trips and your holidays I'm sure it's all been worth it yeah and you know every single year you know as the memories start coming up on social media like we're sending each other every day there's somebody send me something like from these trips or whatever um especially me and my my best friend Claire she's still out there now she got her citizenship uh only what two weeks ago um yeah and like just and then I'm like laughing even I'm smiling ear to ear right now just remembering all my stories and the crazy times like the things that we got up to and I wouldn't do it now do you know what I mean like you do have to do that when like you're young and brave and carefree and and probably single that's something that you'll always have money well spent what was the main thing Tara like what made you say I'm going to go traveling oh I just have always kind of had that and my parents didn't go anywhere they didn't really leave they've been to Spain and that's it even still now you know so I was like right I'm gonna change this like we have the chance to do this at this age and like it's so accessible and I just yeah that's right it was always my biggest passion yeah and you touched on there that you lived in Canada for a little while as well so that's Mm -hmm. the most recent place you live so tell us about the reason and why did you go to Canada why did you decide to settle there for a little while yeah so this is actually pretty crazy to think about so I had been living in Australia for a year I got my um second year visa I absolutely loved it like it was oh it was just so cool I actually lived up in Darwin for nearly five months wow. I went up there on my own yeah I got my 
my uh, second year visa doing like my regional work but I was actually working in like a roadhouse and it was I had so many friends it was really good fun and um, I was going out uh, like off-roading uh, going out on like boats and stuff fishing like doing all this crazy stuff seeing crocodiles in the wild going to these hot springs and stuff like on my days off and then my mum was really sick she has MS and uh, she's still kicking about now can't even believe it uh, but that was that was 2015 and she was just getting really really low like really bad Um, she was in a wheelchair at that time already and I just thought it was too far away to stay in Australia um, so I came home, I worked for a year and then I was like, no, I like I need away again. You know, whenever you've been away and you've lived away from home, like it's really hard to do. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people are finding that right now with the yeah. current situation. Yeah. So I applied for a job in Qatar and I got the job. And I was going to be a year two teacher out in Qatar and I like had a little bit extra money, whatever. And I just went on a trip to go and see my friend. She lives out, out she was living out in Canada at the time in Vancouver. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go do this little trip. And then I'm heading to the other side of the world. I've got a few friends in Australia. I can go visit them as I please and I can go home I'm going to be in the middle of the world I'll be you know over in the in the UAE and that was perfect for me to get home and see my mom as much as I needed and whatever and then I went to Canada and I went to Vancouver and there's water all around it's like looks a bit like here kind of not really like on a bigger scale you know a nicer <laughs> bigger feel and I thought right oh I think I'm maybe moving here like oh. it just was like that so that was I went to visit Eveen, um another Eveen, <laughs> and that was I think it, it I think it was the start of December, and then the visa opened on up opened up on Boxing Day, and I applied that same month, and I was away. I went in the June, so yeah, um, that that was why I ended up going there, and then I met my lovely boyfriend there um Stephen's actually from Monaghan and we met at the races literally less than a month into me arriving in Canada wow so it's all meant to be totally meant to be like I really believe that completely because even with everything then that we've had to go through now and everything that you know I wouldn't have got through it without him so I really do believe in that I I learned to snowboard only last winter wow I was snowboarding, you know, down the loops in Vancouver. <laughs> like unbelievable. Oh, so you're good. Making me so jealous. So Tired, you're you were in Canada, you met um Stephen at the beginning of your trip. And then how long were you there before you moved back here, back home again? So I actually had a job, everything. Like I came home for three weeks. It was my mum's fiftieth birthday. There was no way I was going to miss that. Like, this is a massive milestone for anybody listening that does have a parent with something like MS or, you know, a degenerative disease or something life changing. Uh, they'll know like it's it just it takes over like your life and just takes over, you know, everybody in the family. It really does like make a big impact. So I ha- I wanted to come home and celebrate that and it ended up being COVID, <laughs> COVID hit. So I got flying home. Um, I actually 
was meant to have an MRI you see that came through for like November and they've rang mom I got like my parents to ring and they said look she's living abroad now because it took like 18 months to come through this MRI so they were able to get they said she's coming home in March because I had them flights booked right from the summer so can get her any date in March and we'll make it we'll make it work so came home for three weeks so I could go to the MRI and have mum's birthday. And then I didn't get back. I had a car. I had a job. I ha- I still have all that, you know, the car and the bags and everything is just still there. You said that you came back because your mum's birthday. But what made you book the MRI? What, what pushed that? So that was... Um, Okay, so when I was in Australia, so I was working out in this roadhouse, we were booking boat trips and I started noticing I couldn't write. Like I'm left-handed and this had never, ever happened. I'm a teacher, so like obviously I'd be writing all the time. And I was trying to like write down the bookings and I'd be like, oh, sorry, hold on. And my hand wouldn't work. I'd just be like hitting it off my chest and stuff. And I was like, oh, sorry, hold on. I don't know what's going on. I, I you know, I didn't really think too much about it. Um, then whenever I was home then for the year after that, I obviously just went to my GP, said, that, said to her, you know, don't know what this is. Like I've, I've doctor friend has told me it might just be carpal tunnel or something. Um, and they were like, okay, cause of your mom's history, mm, we'll just check you out a bit further. Referred on to a neurologist and just call rain. And then, yeah, she did a few more tests. Uh, on that left side and I didn't realize or it didn't make sense to me because I could run I could walk I could do whatever but she was you know hitting off my knee with the reflex I don't know it looks like a hammer yeah um yeah and it didn't move it didn't move and she was like oh I'm not happy about this so she was like okay your left side isn't normal so yeah yeah she referred me for uh, an MRI then um but they just they take so so long um just the waiting list and everything and that was me under urgent God. like urgent waiting so of course I just went with my life I wasn't going to like oh well I better stay in the country because I've got an MRI in like two years time you know so I was going to go on to Qatar and then obviously changed my mind and <laughs> like sorry I'm not coming to Qatar and went to Canada uh yeah so that was booked for I literally went there I flew home it was around St Patrick's Day and then I had the MRI on the 23rd and they actually rang me on my lovely uh Stella Hughes um she works up in Belfast usually she actually rang me on the 26th that's my brother's birthday that's how I remember it and she was like look we usually would never have these phone calls over the phone like this is awful and scary but I was sitting on my bed I didn't I I wasn't I I was so shocked I didn't even say anything I just was kind of like oh okay and she was like no Tara like this is gonna take at least you know a year out of your life here but she probably didn't want to say at that time if you even get here but I was just like okay but I live in Canada so when do you think I can go back um right well when can I work and you know all this stuff and she was just like oh like I now thinking about that I'm actually so embarrassed like she must have been like no but of course you're not you're not to know like you don't know what what goes on after you're told that like you've never been through something like that before so you're not expected to know I wouldn't have a clue either like I actually said I said oh 
so I don't have MS. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, my God. Like, what age were you when your mum got diagnosed with MS? I was at university, so that was about, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So would you say that was probably on your mind, like, you know, that potentially one day that could have affected you or your siblings? Mm-hmm. So that's actually, we're, we were told that, you know, that daughters especially, it's very hereditary. So I just, I had, that's why I went to Canada. That's why, and I even remember, I was, all my friends know that. I was like, I'm going to Canada. I'm learning to snowboard. And I, because you just don't know. I was like, I know. Well, I just, I knew myself there was something not right, but like I was still fine and functioning. So I was like, I know I have MS, so I am going to go live my life and then I'm going to make all the changes I need to make when I get the diagnosis. And this was just just after you felt you were starting to feel a change in your left-hand side of your body. You thought, I'm going to, in your own head, you'd kind of reason that it was going to be MS and you were just going to live your life yeah so well not not just with the little that because obviously you kind of think this is probably nothing um but then it was happening more and more um whenever I was driving so obviously then the gear sticks there and I just I couldn't feel the gear stick and this would happen all the time and I then was doing a job and where I had to drive to different um houses and stuff I was an education worker at that point then I wasn't working in schools and all all day every day I would just feel like my hand was so numb and stuff but like that was the only symptom really now then my headaches started getting insane so then it made me feel like I had migraines and then I'd be really tired and fatigued so I just thought oh well yeah sure that's that's what happened to mum so you just do presume um but then also whenever the doctor even was like okay straight away we're just it's this urgent MRI referral then of course you just think okay well that that just does confirm yeah. it you know mm-hmm. so when did you start mm-hmm. to really process that actually whenever you got your diagnosis that actually this is a brain tumor when did that start to hit home with you that that was what it was and it wasn't MS so I to be honest me and Stephen so so actually Stephen was still out there obviously because I only came home for a three-week trip and then I just couldn't I couldn't go back that was me I was like okay I'm actually staying at home and my life has changed forever um don't care about all my stuff that's left out there and whatever now so then we were just trying to get Stephen home um you know what actually at that point it was you had to kind of be like okay we're gonna have to have these really crazy life yeah chat uh do you want to come home do you want to come home to be with me like we've only been together for like not even a year this is crazy (laughs) so yeah and he was like no definitely like I want to come and be with you through this and whatever but we both were just like okay yeah we'll go back out we'll get back to Canada in the summer yeah you know or like after the summer we were both so naive we're like oh it's fine he had a he just whenever I the first week I came home he bought a big truck for us to go traveling in the summer you see we were going to take a big three-month trip and just go the whole way across Canada and that you know that was what the dream was whenever I even went there I was like getting up around the Rockies going and seeing the whole lot of it because I'd been to Toronto back when I was younger and then obviously I'd lived in in Vancouver um so we went to go and see it all and then it's like oh right we only got that truck that bloody truck (laughs) we only got that sold about um what like only about a 
uh, two months ago maybe um because oh we obviously like we had so many other priorities but yeah we both were just so naive to it we were like oh yeah we'll just get through this go through this and then no it's actually been so like crazy so tough and I would say for me I didn't actually start processing the magnitude of this until uh, about September so I went through brain surgery in April and that was awful like I had nightmares okay so brain surgery I went in like it was ridiculous I went in with my um like nail polish my um face masks my tweezers I was like oh great like I'm gonna go in here and chill and I did the the night before the surgery I was so chill I had Netflix on on my iPad I had you know I did I had a face mask I sat and done my eyebrows and all <laughs> thank god I did because I wasn't able to I do love that. and then um the surgery you know you just can't prepare yourself for that I'd never even had surgery on a finger never mind anything else so I'd never actually been to hospital really you know I would never needed like to go for blood yeah. I never there was nothing ever wrong with me that time I wasn't allowed one visitor I wasn't allowed anybody to come in or anything. The absolute, the, I don't know who was looking down on me, but like one of my really best friends um, actually works in the Royal Hospital and she's in the ward like next door. So she would finish her shift and then come in. Like, I I don't actually know how or if I would have really got through. It was, it was, I was only in there for what, like three days, I don't know, three, four days after the surgery. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't speak. I couldn't read. I couldn't, uh, I didn't have use of my dominant hand. I had a catheter in. I had a tube coming out of my brain with blood coming out of it because, like, so it wouldn't claw. And it was, and I honestly was. Were you very aware, Tara, of like what was going on? You said you couldn't speak or anything like that there, but were you were your obviously your brain was functioning, you knew these things, you weren't able to do these things. What was that like? Oh, Rachel, like when I came to okay, so hold on, there's actually a nice little story here first. I was out of surgery, it was about six hours, the brain surgery. And the amazing, I think I got the best surgeon in the entire world, actually, Dr. Flannery. He, like, cut out, like, 90% of the tumour. And it was the neatest, but the neatest scar. My my friend, she's a nurse there 10 years or more. And she literally is like, well, I've never seen anything, you know, better. Um, but I've come out of the surgery and you have to uh, go into the recovery place for, like, two hours. Just make sure you're okay and you don't have to go back into theatre. And I kept waking and then you go back to sleep and waking and go back to sleep. And there was wee porters around and they were cleaning up and stuff. That was probably the last of the day or whatever. And I kept going, well, I couldn't speak. And I really was trying to say, like, to put on a song. And I just kept on and kept on and kept on. I was trying to say to put on, you know, Fisherman, Fisherman's Blues, <laughs> you know, um, that would be like my, mine and Stephen's song. Oh. And I just, I just kept trying to say, like, Fisherman. And then I was like, Fisher. Fisher and then I go back to sleep I have a Fisher fit and anyway eventually I don't even know how but the wee man <laughs> understood like just by the very end of the few hours and he put it on and it was a wee old like a really old crappy Nokia and he like let me listen to the whole song and I just remember like a wee tear coming down my down my face and going back to sleep oh, again oh so anyway a- so that was yeah and to see people like that in hospitals like they just make all the difference I just that's going to be with me for the day till the day I die and you go down to the ward whatever and I 
uh, was starving. He had to stop. He had to fast all day. And then there, Monica, the nurse, mm-hmm. my great angel of a friend, come in and she had brought me. She brought oh. me a boojum. <laughs> oh, and there was me trying, trying to eat, scoffing. Actually, she was calling me the tiniest <laughs> wee square, and I was like, I couldn't even speak to tell her. I was like, mm, like more and more and whatever, and I was scoffing, scoffing. Oh. The second she left and went home, I vomited, overindulged. But yeah, so I actually haven't had a boozing since. <laughs> can't think about that. But um, do the next day, like you're told, right, get up. We need to see if you can walk. We need to see this, that, the other. And I was, I was like, no, like I had all these things like in my body. I had like two different cannulas. I had a uh, the catheter. Had that brain the oh the brain drip was just the worst I couldn't even I can't oh can't even cope with that even thinking about that now but things like that and you're expected to get up and like walk and show the physio you had to like go and get wheeled up for like quick scans and stuff of your brain and they're wheeling you like because obviously they're on time scale whatever they're wheeling you so fast like battering through the corridors actually they had to do that in the middle of the night as well like a quick ct scan and you have to go up to like maybe three floors up and even going up and to go into the lift and stuff like it's i mean excruciating because obviously i just had brain surgery and then the bed is going over the wee bumps and stuff to go into the lift. Oh. Oh, and all those things, like they just, they were with me for so long. Like I used to try and go to sleep and I would just have nightmares or it would just be in my head. You know, I would just see it all the time and just be, oh, like have to like cry. Like I would, Stephen would be so, he was so, so good. Like I would just, he would like cuddle me in and that was for a very long time. It was just so, so scary. It was really bad. Just because it was my biggest yeah. fear anyway, do you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the that first night, whenever I woke up, yeah, because you were asking if I was like aware. The first night I woke up, I had asked them specifically, please don't put any of the cannulas in my hands. Like I cannot cope with veins and stuff. I'm just, it's my biggest fear. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But obviously, like they, you know, they just they're gonna do wherever they can get the vein. They're gonna do like whatever's quickest and like safest and stuff like that. And I woke up and I had one in my arm over here, and I had one on my hand. Oh, and they had to keep coming and checking my reflexes. So they kept pushing my hand back, and I was screaming. And I was like in a ward and even the next day then, because I was there for a couple of days and I ended up making friends with one of the the lovely girls across from me. Like we're still in touch now. Um, and she was like, oh, like you had a crazy bad night. And I was like, yeah, because they had that candle in my hand. I, you know, so I, I wouldn't go to sleep until they would take it out. I think actually Monica, the nurse had said to the doctor, you're going to have to take that out. She is not going to be okay yeah. until you change that, put it somewhere else. Because I did have to have Ben and stuff. But I mean, screaming, I'd be like, oh, no, that I can't be, look at this. That must be so frustrating not being able to like time. speak and like I was, tell people like how you're feeling. Like that must be the most frustrating thing ever. I was crying. I just was, you know, even now even thinking back to like it's making me like like my whole body is like tensing up and like shaking even just at the memory of it you know I definitely I know I do have like a little bit of p pt what is it ptsd yeah so I was determined to get these things out. I mean like I mean I honestly could not breathe I honestly my breathing was like <gasps> until they got all the the tubes out of me like fair enough then I had to keep the cannula in until the second I was leaving you see while I had that catheter in and 
that brain drip oh the brain drip was the worst because they took me out for the MRI the second day oh, just because I know they were rushed and stuff but like they let it like swing around swing about and everything and I it was hanging out of my brain and I was like give me, you know I was like trying to say like give me that but I couldn't speak I couldn't even breathe yeah. I literally was like like gesturing to them like give me that like and I just held it like so tight against my chest then to go for the MRI oh like and I can just remember that so so clearly like, like they were putting me across the bed and onto the bed for the MRI and like they were having to go so quick because like they obviously had like a list the cat the catheter bag like burst like like honestly it was oh that was honestly hell on earth the only like thing way I can think how horrible that would be is when you have a dream and you know you're trying to scream in a dream and you can't scream or run like that's how I imagine that would feel except 10 times worse like honestly that that is what it was like and then you think okay right well that's done okay great this is fine now I just have some treatment to do I'm going to be at least at home. I can go back and forth to the hospital and do that. And then actually radiotherapy in the summer was the very worst time of my life. It's so different for everybody. Um, So they can't know, they can't like tell you, they can't tell you that it's going to be as bad as it is because some people breathe, breathe through it. Like where my tumour was, it's like right by the skull and it's so, it was so, so big and stuff. So they had to like really blast like such a big area and really close to the surface and stuff. So I was having I, I, only about two weeks in because I had to have it end up being about seven weeks with a couple of um uh, what do we have? We had the bank holidays and stuff. So it ended up being nearly seven weeks of the radiotherapy and that's alongside chemotherapy. So you're having to like wake up at sometimes I was having to get up at like maybe six seven in the morning to eat something because then you have to fast for a couple of hours before you're you go for your treatment um which that was hell because you're so exhausted and you just think all right yeah yeah okay like go have a nap no like until you have fatigue because of like a chronic illness you just can't you will never you just can't know I, I, I still I'm like what like how is that real life so that was all in the summer months and it was so hot and you know it was like really nice days outside and I was just there being like student close them curtains like so like make it so dark for me like I can't cope and you just I, I couldn't hardly even like walk or like move from like the bedroom to the living room and stuff it's just like so exhausted so then imagine going getting in the car to go to treatment and stuff oh and that's up in the city hospital um, and you have to do that every single day but the radio after about two weeks for me I just started like my head I actually swole up like full-on was like swollen you know like something out of like Star Trek or something whenever I actually got my MRI MRI and like they found it it was they were like how are you not having seizures like every day like we don't understand you know and I, I still will never know I think it was probably just because I was like living my very best life at the time and mm-hmm. I was quite quite yes I did probably drink a lot but I was quite healthy eating when I was in Canada I didn't like the meat there really so I didn't really eat meat that much meat or anything so I was kind of like vegetarian maybe not all the time of course but so I don't know how I got away with that I never had seizures and stuff if that happens then you're usually medicated for the rest of your life um, and you probably can never drive and stuff like that And Mahara, you talk about your mum there. Do you think she was a really good help to you going through this? Do you think that obviously her having gone through something similar, she was able to 
you know, support you and help you more than probably more so than what anyone without an illness like that could have. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it kind of end up being the running joke, like whose <laughs> symptoms were worse at some mm-hmm. point. And, you know, we would just always find a way to like kind of laugh about it. And it was, we always just, were close and we always could have said whatever we wanted. But I think now there's just absolutely zero there's there's nothing to be there's yeah. no, no nothing hidden like there's nothing to hide or nothing to yeah keep secret you know it's like a different level of understanding isn't it Tara like is it just at that next yeah. level of I get you <laughs> totally probably more so like it was really eye-opening for me you know what there's been so many blessings from my illness because I now actually can understand all the things that she's had to go through for so many years and the things that she's been feeling for years and you're kind of like oh you know you could nearly like roll your eyes at it but it's so real I just even think though like this illness for me has made me even go whoa like like feeling really like kind of empathetic to like anybody or everybody's situation you know you don't have to end up having like this crazy you know diagnosis um or you know something even like that like some people's parents they there's a lot of like friends of mine and everything you know their parents have like alcoholism they have mental health we re- I it's just really made me go whoa I was just like zooming around going everywhere doing whatever I wanted like having the best time but like there's so many people that are having a really 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 tough time um so no I really it has like really made me it's just grounded me a lot more I actually am feeling like okay no like it's, it was all meant to be it's all happened for and you know what in the name of your podcast uh, it is what it is <laughs> yes <laughs> I've, I've learned I've learned so much from it uh, I I actually just feel like really blessed to, for all the learning I've done and for yeah for being able to go oh okay for for mom and stuff like she actually does like really need that or this or whatever and if she doesn't get that or this or if she hasn't made feel a certain way or whatever like it's really it affects her whole day or like her whole week or whatever you know because she's not she's not really able to do very much or you're very like restricted or whatever like even with me not being able to drive and stuff right now I'm like oh like sometimes I just want to go and jump out in the you know jump in the car and go for go for a walk by myself or whatever but like you just I just can't do that I'm not allowed to go and drive down to the beach by myself you know Mm-hmm. and how how would you have said as well Tara so like your family as well how did they take it because you know you're so strong you're so positive and you've got this really amazing outlook on life but you know the people around you how how are they feeling how have they dealt with this or did they talk to you about that sort of thing yeah I mean even if they maybe didn't want to talk about it I would not let them away with not talking I, that's the only way that I've got through this is by talk 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 and talk some more cry 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 and cry some more like um I'm really really lucky that way like my family even Stephen's family like all my friends are just so open and I can kind of like talk and share and say how I'm feeling and whatever I do know you know even still sometimes like my parents like they're maybe just really hopeful or they don't want to think the worst so they're always like oh no when it you know I came I went down from that phone call with the neurologist that day and I was so calm I didn't even cry or anything at that point I was just like okay so it's not MS that's good isn't it oh yeah that's good um and uh so I've got a brain tumor but they're gonna do surgery in a couple of weeks and it's fine and then they were mom just started crying 
dad was like, right, okay, we're, well, like, I think he started going on about, like, we'll remortgage the house, we'll get you, we'll get you private treatment right now. And I'm that, like, what? Oh dad, you know, dads like, are so, like, informative. Like, and, like, this is how we're going to do it. And then moms yeah. are just, like, the emotional one. Isn't that funny how their reactions were so different as well? Yeah, that's always the way it is. Like, he's just so practical or just, oh, another thing. You see, if you if you start crying in front of him, I, I'm I'm going out to make a cup of tea. I'll make tea. Oh, I, can't, I can't have that. Like, yeah. it's, okay, just make, it breaks his heart, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, his mom, she just... The, the the hand went up to the mouth and the tears just started and yeah she just was absolutely got it for me obviously but I you know I sometimes feel like that's what we're why I'm so strong because I have to be strong for them like do you know what it is actually I know I think I've learned in the last few months anyway that I had a lot of things I had to overcome so I have like really good resilience or whatever like I had you know I lost somebody that I really loved whenever I was like what 18 yeah like 18 um like you know like the first like big big death or whatever like in in your life and whatever and then um with with mom's illness um we've always even so mom went up against like and she had she was she went in the wheelchair but we always had like my uncle Robert living with us he had cerebral palsy from birth which is mum's twin um so he's in a, he was in a wheelchair and he lived with us and I just think things like that like just build build up build up build up your resilience and then you're kind of like yeah. okay well I actually can get through this like I can you know I, I've been I've probably you know I'll I'm ready for this or whatever I don't even know how or what I also just feel like I just felt so lucky to have met Stephen when I was in Canada and that he wanted to come home and like go through this with me and I had him by my side the whole way and like my friends are unreal as well and oh my brother Zach he flew home from Australia he was out as well me and him got dropped to the airport uh, the June before for me to go to Canada and him to go to Australia the year before and he landed at home the day the very night that I got out of my surgery he landed at home can you imagine like the tears like it was just I fell lower at the back door just like crying sobbing like oh I just feel so lucky like I honestly I'm the luckiest girl in the world like you know um, how else can I family and friends like supporting you and um how you're so lucky in that aspect but I just also think that you have got such a positive outlook and a great personality and that's just what is get I don't know if you've had like um your past as well and that's maybe why you've got like a fight in you as well but I do think it's just your absolute positivity that just shines out of you as well so I think it's on you as well Tara and you've been so lucky to have your family and your friends but it's all on you you know Mm -hmm. it's that fighting personality that you have yeah and do you know what I feel so good after talking to you every single time because I just feel like I can conquer yeah. the world after talking to you. Like, I can do anything. Oh, thanks, girls. No, like I, you know, I obviously don't see that. Like that's just I'm just being me. I'm just getting on. And like what I keep saying, I get like messages like every day, being like, "Whoa, like you're so inspirational. Keep going. Like you're amazing, and you inspire me." And I'm like, I am here being a lazy sod. I swear, <laughs> I am lying on the sofa most days being like oh Stephen please get me this like mm. I'm, I'm inspiration, but I mean I suppose if I really do think about it or I try and put myself out of the situation like I'm only I'm only doing it because I can see 
like a really bright future and like I want that future I you know I I did say to my mom and can you imagine gosh the tears like I was like mom honestly like I have had the most amazing life like I have pretty much done everything I really want to do like if I do go now like it's okay it's actually okay but I I'm not going anywhere so stop this like stop I know I'm not going anywhere I can see the you know the wedding and the kids and like just you know I know that it's going to happen for me and sure if it doesn't like that was what was meant to be and yeah you have a smile on your face every day like and I think that's why everyone is saying to you like you're such an inspiration because you just have like a lovely smiley face all the time even after all your awful stories that you've told us about in your chemo and everything so I think that's I think that's definitely what it is Um, you mentioned Stephen a few times in this podcast. Is he a great support to you? Would you say he was? He is the only reason I'm getting through this. Like, yes, of course, my family, my friends have been amazing. But if I couldn't like visualize that and know what we have to want to like, can, you know, want to have that for the future, or like want to just get even deeper with that with him I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have honestly like at some points I just got far too tired and far too sick and I you know too weak and my bloods were too low I had to like take weeks off and stuff and rest and whatever and get antibiotics and like stuff like that and I was just like oh but then you know he would just be so good like he would always like just pull out the bag or just make me feel better or every day like he would make me like even have a wee smile through my tears or whatever see the days that I'm not online or they're you know I'm just sharing a wee meme or whatever that I am not positive that day then I am probably crying in a dark room most of the day or I'm like oh I'm so sore oh I don't feel well I am trying to like find a little bit of light in every day or I'm trying to have as many good days as there is bad days but what I had to kind of realize very quickly was it's we're kind of having like it's kind of taking R by R and like Stephen has been so good at that you know kind of no judging that or like going on that wave with me and so I'll actually tell you now like this is this is our like this is like secret but he doesn't care and he doesn't even have social media or care about anything so um yeah we're like complete opposite and I don't know what you think uh you're all in relationships and stuff but so I was single my whole 20s I just was so nope it just didn't interest me I was you see unless they are amazing and add value to my life or make me feel like you know oh I can conquer the world like with this person I didn't care I was happy to be an old cat lady on my own I honestly was like if they are not fucking amazing I don't want them like so yeah I met him at the races we were you know half pissed and whatever uh we had our first kiss on a a bus shelter um trying to get back into town um anyway <laughs> uh too much information because his sister's all dead we love it and we just had so much crack you see the whole day even the day that I met him I just thought great like a new friend or whatever like just because I was meeting loads of different ones that that month it was my first month living there and I was like oh this is great and then we all went to like an after party and stuff and of course, then he got up and his thing as he sings Robbie Williams. He will go yeah. up. He 
he is so quiet all 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 day his whole life and then when he gets a few drinks in him he gets up and he will take the microphone off like literally off a you know a paid band or whatever and be like oh sorry just one song one song even <laughs> And it gets up and he sings whatever. So I was like, he is hilarious, like great. He's a bit of me, whatever. And then now we, that's what I'm just, I can't even, it just I say, even makes me so emotional. Like I'm so proud of us for like getting through this together. I always was like, do you ever feel like you should feel like yin and yang and like if we're not feeling like that it's horrible and you're like no like what's what's going on why are we not in balance like no this is you know so that obviously happened a lot throughout this like the way I was feeling the way I felt like you know I lost all like my hair on the front and the the all at the very top and all is completely like bald like really like sore scabby head and I just felt really ugly and just everything. And sometimes we get really out of balance. And sometimes he was like really down and it was hard for him. And so he was the one out of balance or whatever. So I would always be like, but Stephen, like, oh, I'd like freak out and be like, no, like the yin and yang, like it's not like, why are we like, we're separated right now. And he'd be like, no, like Tara, you need to see it as like a seesaw. Yeah. And I just thought, oh oh my goodness like that's amazing like I really every you know I carry that with me now and that's I tell everybody that I'm like think like you know the balance is normal, but like sometimes I'm like so up here I'm like crazy like freaking out I am hating myself or I'm hating how I feel or I'm just so hyper stressed and the other and then he's like down there waiting for me to come back down other times he gets like really just bored and you know he can't get to his football he can't get seeing his friends and whatever so he gets sometimes the swing goes the other way and that's okay then I'm down there going oh, that's okay like I'm here for you you know I'll make dinner today whatever and like it's unbelievable I just I don't know how we've done it yeah. I, I'm just so so proud of us and you know that's what I'm saying like he he is he's he's younger than me mm-hmm. um I think I was saying that too we had it before like I've got myself a toy boy but (laughs) (laughs) he's got got like a lot of wisdom and he really grounds me like he really keeps me so calm and we're completely a million percent like just like completely fit that yin and yang thing but of course there is loads of days or even just a wee hour out of the day that that swing goes up and down and like that's okay and people in relationships need to like you know realize that and kind of maybe also communication too like we have had he wouldn't be a big talker but I am so I just make him you know I'm like we need to talk 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 and get get to the bottom of this Mm -hmm. like here she goes again I think that's men in general they just don't talk (laughs) and it's so lovely to hear he's grounding you and saying actually it's like this, Tara. And that isn't something always men would come out with. Yeah. So he does sound you've got very yourself wise a good beyond one. his years, for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm so lucky. And honestly, yeah. the luckiest I, girl in this whole planet. That makes me, I love, love. Like, that just makes I love me so that. happy. <laughs> I would say that is a massive thing. Like, you see for any girls out there that are like, where is he, where is he, where is he? I definitely was at the point where I was like, but I've literally been single for like, I don't know, per- six eight years I don't know and was just like well I obviously there isn't somebody out there for me that was going to make me happy and I was never I was never going to just settle I would have went on one or two dates and then I'd be sick <laughs> like I'd be like nope 
like you are not for me gone 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 one of my good friends Laura she says um oh cut cutthroat Tara strikes again (laughs) you know but whenever you find the right one like you it's so it's such a cliche and I I never believed it before but like you just know it just I all well yeah you just know and it will all fall in place so you know for like people that stay in those wrong relationships and stuff like I just all oh, like you don't have to do that you just don't deserve that there's somebody out there craving your love that will make you laugh every day no matter how you're feeling and like you deserve 100%. that so much so yeah that's just a big thing definitely and they always say you know somebody comes the person that's right for you will come when you're least expecting it or when you're not looking for them that's um, so true I really that's believe definitely that. the case for you Tara you just find each other when you least expected it yeah at least expect it and I actually like I pushed it away you know for a while I was like what no I've just arrived in Canada yeah we went dating and stuff in the summer and whatever but I was kind of like what like no I've just arrived here like like he knows honestly I just was like he's too young for me like I never said I would go for a younger man because my my brother is only two years younger than me like can't can't but no no that's just ridiculous to even think about because he's just so perfect for me and like (laughs) I just honestly wouldn't have got through I I would not have got through this without him he's been my absolute rock well done Stephen there's a Stephen out there for everybody yeah and he's the actual he's the hero here like it's you know it's not me he's the he's the one that should be getting all this like you're an inspiration you know so Tara we popped up a question box at the beginning of the week which allowed the listeners to ask you any questions that they might have the first one reads what would be a good aromatherapy oil for someone who would like to relax or unwind um for a beginner to relax well see oils like lavender or the minty ones like peppermint or spearmint they're uh what you call it adaptogenic uh big word (laughs) and they're adaptogenic uh oils so they kind of adapt to whatever you need them to do or they'll go and do whatever you know they'll you go into your body whatever way you need them but um i think to actually for specifically to relax um the the really woody tree earthy kind of ones um I made a blend up with cypress and sandalwood and you know loads of like tree ones frankincense and stuff um because they they're apparently really grounding and make you feel you know kind of oh okay I'm all at one with the earth yeah. and like almost like they're they're the they're the sleepy kind of ones you know um another question reads what gets you through a bad day uh, what gets me through a bad day I suppose um I just need to te- like I said before I just need to take a breath I need to maybe try if it depends what mood I'm in that day if I feel that I could I will try and do like a wee stretch or you know I probably wouldn't be up for doing like a full-on yoga session but like um I do think getting outside getting especially out in nature if I go up the forest or go down to the beach like usually like that's me instantly clear-headed but um a big massive hug like just a big massive tight hug and it has to last for like what at least 30 (laughs) seconds I think I read somewhere that's at least what I tell Stephen I'm like I swear I read it somewhere it has to be 30 (laughs) seconds it has to be 
20 minutes long hug me <laughs> yeah that's a really good one actually do you see if it's like a really really bad day and I'm just like mute you know what I actually love so- and this is us I don't know yeah. if anybody's seen it or whatever yep. we've all watched it there's so many series that I actually am only on season two because see every time I get my chemo I can't watch things I end up like foggy brain I can't concentrate I can't read like you know I can't things like that so I just don't want to do anything really um and then Stephen reads two men instead but every single episode I cry my eyes out probably from from about 10 minutes yeah. in till the end and then that's me I'm like so lift it I just need yeah. that big I don't know my so gosh. definitely if you're having a bad day just allow yourself <laughs> to cry if you want to cry oh, yeah no that that is definitely what I would say like you have to just let it out if you don't it's just causing those little blockages in our body and like that is the very last thing we need like that's how you end up getting sick like I did next one is from a student and it reads I'm a radiotherapy student did you feel comfortable with students when on treatment as a student I sometimes feel as though I don't do enough and sometimes slow up the patient's treatment what is your opinion no I I actually was kind of secretly glad when I when I would see students coming in sometimes because you're can you imagine like you're just on this big conveyor belt so if them coming in makes it kind of slow down a bit for me as the patient I was delighted I was like oh, great and um whenever I was going to radiotherapy I brought oh. a cuddly toy so uh, my friend sent me over as soon as I got diagnosed it was a like a squishy seal um and I called it Tomo because I named my tumor Tomo um <sighs> so this was, this was Tomo and I brought that because I had can, so I suppose people don't really really know this because I had the brain tumor in the head my radiotherapy was obviously to the head so I had to get a big mask made a big plastic well oh, it wasn't even plastic I don't know what it was big mesh mask made that clipped to the bed and then all over my face my eyes had to be shut so tight. My head, my forehead was squished down in and like my eyebrows and all. And then you're up and you get risen up, you know, into the thing. And so whenever I'd go in and there would be like a new student there or somebody that I hadn't met before and they were like, oh, like, what's your, I don't know, they would, you know, they'd be like really nice and be like nervous and stuff. So then I would always be asking them, are you getting on with your treatment and stuff and then I actually felt like oh I actually have a bit more time to like yeah. get myself ready and up onto this bed you know no mm-hmm. I really didn't mind it at all and it was actually really nice to chat <laughs> to them knowing like they're probably actually yeah. shitting themselves more than I even am right now what is one piece of advice you would have for your younger self massive 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 regrets that I did do so much like overthinking and just running around like an absolute crazy crazy I don't even know what I I just I I don't think I was like really living in the now I was just constantly what's next what's next what's next how can I get there how can I get there like I would have been you know away on them like amazing trips being like like chatting and maybe even looking up things for like my next trip like what who does that it's actually (laughs) ridiculous so I would say you know enjoy enjoy every small every little thing enjoy it whatever comes up for you just go with it like it's all meant to be it actually is and you can't know that at the time whenever I was younger like I used to think you know I used to felt like I used to feel really oh no like I'm not as good as 
like my this one or that one or I'm so ugly compared to this one or that one or like I'm not as smart or whatever or you know and like who cares like really who cares like Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things whenever we actually are on our better we're gonna go oh no I was like an ugly spotty teenager no Mm -hmm. do you know I just think yeah really that's what my little page is all about it's um I've called it like behind the rainbow because you can't know that like you do think the worst in yourself you just think oh no I could be better I could be better but actually like when it, you see whenever you get past that and all the insecurities and you can allow yourself to be like vulnerable and just let it flow whatever happens happens like oh it's gonna happen anyway it just depends on how I react to it oh like it's so it's just so empowering yeah. it's like wow mm-hmm. this life is great you know so yeah, I would just I would tell her like, calm yeah. down, slow down. That's Who cares? Like advice. nobody cares. Um, like what you become or what happens. Question is, yeah. um, yeah. what are your top tips and staying so positive, um, throughout this? And she's also wrote, "P.S. I've been so excited for this episode." Oh, so cute. Um, <laughs> so well, I suppose just staying positive is surrounding myself by like the best, best people. You know any. I've definitely learned so I used to be kind of like a people pleaser and I would always feel bad about like not not replying or about showing up and stuff but I've, I'm kind of now like I have to like look after me and um I stay positive by like checking in with myself first every single morning I'll be like oh like I nearly do like a little quick body scan and be like how am I feeling and you see if I'm feeling any way like rough or like a bit sore or eggy or sick or whatever I'm like gonna take like some time for me to like sort that out before I can get on with my day I actually put my phone on airplane mode overnight so I do and that doesn't go off airplane mode until I feel okay Mm -hmm. I mean obviously that's not that's not gonna everybody can't do that because they're obviously working and stuff like that but I know I just it's so so important to look after yourself like you can't pour from an empty cup and that's what I've really had to like stop and like learn you know you just can't keep going at, at 100 miles an hour and stuff so yeah I'm just staying positive by looking after myself having loads of bath just trying to see the, a tiny little glimmer of good in every day having a laugh with Stephen or like my friends yeah. or getting to hang out like with my little sister yeah. like whatever I can kind of do and yeah, yeah you just need to be really grateful that we can do that you know um another question do you think people have reacted differently towards you since your diagnosis I think that people kind of already knew I was a bit of a tough cookie uh you know people that knew me they kind of were like you can get through this and that would have even been at times when I didn't realize I could and it would actually like piss me off you know like I'd be getting loads and loads of messages and stuff in the summer of when I was having that worst time ever on radiotherapy I would get loads of like messages of like yeah like you're the strongest person I know and I didn't feel one bit strong I just felt you know the this is the only way that I can kind of describe it I'm usually a very very bubbly out there big firework big bonfire of a person right and then in in like at that time I just felt like a little tiny candle you know a wee birthday candle I just felt so not me so then people will be sending me messages like that and cut all the amount of beautiful like cards and presents and stuff I was getting and I was like oh, no I'm not I'm not strong I'm so not strong but I suppose like now in hindsight like yeah I'm I'm just I, I real I, I you know I, I know why and I, I obviously can understand I would be probably 
the exact same and everything. But um, it was just even whenever I would, we went down to the co-op in the town and there was a few like teachers from my school and whatever I seen. And they were like looking at me, like feeling so sorry for me. And they were like, you know, even one of them came up and was like, oh, like it's great to see you. You look after her to Stephen. And I, I just wanted to cry and just go to the car. Do you know what I mean? Because I was like, oh, like I'm fine. Like, you know, but I wasn't I'm- fine. I was not fine. somebody is going through something like what you're going through how should people approach them like what's the best way to approach somebody who's going through something like this um I think recently I've had a few friends you know that have lost people um like that they really really loved and stuff and I think of it it's really nice to do a gesture um like we've sent flowers and I'll always like send like wee memes and stuff um I just it depends really how much you know them doesn't it like if it's somebody like close to you or that you know you don't really have to have like big boundaries with or whatever I would just say I suppose you kind of have to take it at their pace um but it's just yeah I suppose just let let the let the person act how they need to act do little subtle subtle like nudges in the right direction or like just let them know that you're there for them if you need but I did find it quite stressful sometimes if I would have had like some people messaged and it would be like loads and loads of messages or like loads of questions. And remember, I couldn't read very good at the time. I've had to reteach myself like reading, writing. I mean, from scratch, I couldn't, if I seen the word yes, the why didn't make sense to me. I would like see it as like a you and I'd be like, but I don't know how to spell, I can't, how do I spell? I don't know what that's saying. Like why that doesn't make sense. And I had to completely retrain my brain and stuff. So I had like people that were maybe messaging too much sometimes or like asking loads of questions. And like, it was really, it actually stressed me out because then I felt, I, I felt bad. Like I wanted to get back and whatever, but then suppose that's just where I've learned now just to have boundaries and just like oh well like I'll reply when I reply and surely they understand and now that I'm in a more sane mind I now do know of course people won't expect me to reply straight away or it's fine if I even take like three weeks to reply and then I'm like oh sorry was going through chemo and of course they're fine you know but that was just all a big process I had to learn I mean I would have cried some days because I was getting so many messages and I'm like (laughs) oh and then I would just give my phone to Steven or like if there was a friend with me or whatever and they'd be like maybe if somebody is checking it just check in send a little meme or like a little message just saying like I'm thinking about you love you like hope you're okay just something like that try rather than the questions even though if you think you're doing good just to check in don't ask the questions maybe yeah definitely I mean I see when I because I I'm still I still get um messages all the time of like you know keep going and stuff like that and like oh of course that every single time it brings a smile to my face it like really makes me feel like so loved and I actually I if I'm honest I didn't know I didn't know about this before I didn't realize this was a real thing but you know I was saying there before about I kind of did this learning on like energy and stuff I have actually felt physically felt like love 
like actually like love and healing going into my body because of all this like well wishes and love and cards and everything and like every single one of them cards I mean our mantle mantle up in the other room was covered there must have been over a hundred cards like and they were also bright and happy and you know unreal so I'm actually making a scrapbook now with all them like through on days that I am feeling a bit low so That's like amazing. I would yeah. no I would definitely say you know because I can get I get it like it's you don't know what to do or you don't know what to say yes you might want to know everything but you you need to like realize like it's probably really hard to like even talk or share or even the, prob- the person hasn't probably even processed it yet so then like my friends now would say and like they they realize oh okay because now I just I do share everything on social media or I you know I'll share it to them in like private in our wee groups and stuff but I maybe wasn't ready to at that time or like I didn't know what was going on with me at the time so yeah you know maybe don't ask like the big questions and don't want to know what's next because I can't even process it myself so just yeah I suppose let let people know like yeah you're thinking about them that you love them because you do you actually feel it like you literally every you get a hug almost from every well wish and then like you, you'll speak you'll share whenever you want Tara, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know it's been very strange trying to navigate online, but you have done such an amazing job. And I just want to start by saying thank you so much for, you know, coming on and being so open and trusting us with your story. Yeah, I have enjoyed listening to you so much. It's been amazing. It's been so interesting to listen to you tonight. Tara, it's been amazing. And you know, Tara, you speak so lovingly and openly about all your amazing family members and friends and it's clear how important they have been to your journey but I'm such a strong believer that you know you attract what you put out there and I'm sure your family and friends and your lovely partner Stephen would agree that you are as much a strength to them as what they are to you so give yourself credit Tara you know you just radiate strength and confidence and I know any listener that is listening in this week will definitely take something away from this podcast because I know I surely have I oh, know thanks so much I know they do, they do keep saying that like oh, like how are you doing this you're the one that I'm supposed to be comforting and you're comforting me you know but that's who I am and that's what makes me tick like that's what makes me happy and that's what is keeping me going you know so you know what that's what my wee page is all about behind yes. the rainbow all there is is love Sleepers.